Hi, I'm Diana Penunchal, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and you're listening to Call Number with American Libraries. And just like that, 2022 is coming to an end. It's been a tumultuous time for the profession. We're on course for another record-breaking year of book challenges. Politically driven groups are working to pass laws that censor materials and measures that defund libraries, and library workers continue to experience burnout. But one source of hope and inspiration has been the authors who have stepped up to advocate for and sing the praises of books, libraries, and democracy. This episode, Call Number presents its 2022 author chats. Featured in this installment are never-before-released clips from conversations with actor John Cho, Newbery Medal-winning graphic novelist Jerry Craft, comic book artist Kevin Eastman, broadcast journalist Maria Inahosa, Band Books Week Honorary Chair George M. Johnson, historian Ibram X. Kendi, and Newbery Medal winners Cynthia Katahata, Tay Keller, and Lois Lowry. Hear them share what role libraries have played in their lives. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. On the new podcast, The Reading Culture, host and co-founder of Beanstack, Jordan Lloyd Bookie, connects with diverse authors about their journeys as readers and storytellers. Take a peek behind the curtain into the stories that often map onto the characters they create and the stories we know and love. Learn about the experiences along the way that motivated them to read more. Listen as authors like Meg Medina, Renee Watson, Karina Ann Glaser, Kate DiCamillo, and Varian Johnson share about books that changed their lives, their perspectives on the cultural climate in children's and young adult literature, and much more. Plus, each episode features a themed reading list challenge of titles, handpicked by the author, to inspire students and readers of all ages to keep reading. New episodes of The Reading Culture are up every other Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Actor John Cho pulled from his experiences living in Los Angeles during the 1992 riots following the Rodney King verdict to write Troublemaker, his debut middle grade novel. I caught up with him before he spoke at ALA's 2022 annual conference. He shared how libraries helped him learn more about the U.S. as a young immigrant. Libraries, they're so important to me, you know, especially... Being an immigrant and then being poor, um, uh, libraries are now, I, I see them as one of the last bastions of democracy. Information right now is, is monetized, so everyone lauds the phone for its, for our, our phones for access to information, but it's tied into capitalism. You have to buy the phone. They sell you stuff as soon as you Google something. The library is truly democratic. You don't have to have money to go into a library. I always love librarians because, you know, even as much as I love teachers, teachers gave you assignments and, and disciplined you. But librarians, all they did was say, what do you need? Uh, and wherever you wanted to go, however you were feeling that day, maybe you had an assignment that you were working on, maybe you were there for pleasure, maybe you just needed a picture book. Maybe you just want a magazine. It's all there, and what they're interested in is you reading. That's it. I just think that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that is the foundation of a free society. And 
you know, I got my first civics lessons from libraries, you know. This is how you participate. Uh, you pay taxes if you're late <laughs> uh, returning a book. Um, and it, 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 is, uh, it, it is the best example. Uh, for me, as, a, as an immigrant, it was like, this is the best of, of, of this country in this building. Um, it was a safe place. We didn't have babysitters. We would get dropped off there, and I can think of so many important things that I, and many important firsts that I had in a library. And, um, and when I was writing this book, my fantasy was to walk into a library, and not, not a bookstore, but a library, and see the clear jacket on my book with the spine uh, label. Uh, that was the, the, you know, the, the carrot for me that kept me going. Jerry Craft received the 2020 Newbery Medal for his graphic novel, New Kid, the first graphic novel to ever win the award. Earlier this year, I chatted with him about how his perspective on libraries has changed as he's gotten older. Well, when I was younger, they played no role in my life because there was a library literally right around the corner from my house, but it was always closed. Hmm. And it was surprising when it was open, and this is a public library. And when it was open, it was like a horror movie. You know, you go there, you open it, and the doors squeak open, and you <laughs> And then the you know we walk up the flight of stairs like, chow, 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 chow. and then you look in the library and doesn't look up to greet you, and it's dark and the books are covered in plastic and the tables are covered in plastic and the librarian mm -hmm. is covered in plastic and <laughs> you know it just it wasn't an inviting place. There was no color, there was no sound. If you said shh, shh, so what kid wants a part of that? Right. You know, so I would only go there when I needed to do a book report uh, or look up something for school. But it was never a place for fun or relaxation. You know, it was very tense. Right. And I visited my old neighborhood and went in there uh, a year or two ago and could not believe it. Right, populated, uh, people talking, people on computers, people working in mm -hmm. groups, you know, librarians offering advice. Hey, well, what do you need? Well, if you like that book, you know, maybe try this one next. Unbelievable. And I think that libraries as a safe place and a creative space make all the difference in the world. That's why whenever schools talk about getting rid of their libraries or their librarians, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible decision. Comic book artist Kevin Eastman released The Last Ronin, the final installment of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, this July. 
He spoke with Phil Moorhart, communications manager for ALA, before he took the stage at annual and shared how libraries opened up a world of possibilities for him. Libraries to me were, um, you know, having growing up in, a, in an incredibly small town in Maine, <clears throat> um, I don't think I was ever properly in a bookstore besides maybe a book section of the Salvation Army or, you know, a department store or something like that until I was in high school. Um, but we had school libraries, and that was awesome because everything was there, whether it be um, um, picture books, history books. I'm a big fan of history, especially art history. You know, that's where the turtles' names came from. <laughs> um, and so it was uh, um, to be able to um, um, read different kinds of stories and adventures as well as have reference material for, like, how do I draw, um, you know, a, 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 a pirate ship? How do I draw a spaceship? How do you draw different kinds of animals? All this great reference, um, you know, from very complex to very simplistic was all there in the library, and that's where, you know, if, if I can come up with an excuse to um, not go out to recess, <laughs> recess and go to the library where I could, you know, open books and trace drawings and drawing, that was, that was the, the greatest gift ever. So I lived for snow days back in those days. When it was snowing enough that you could still go to school, but you couldn't go outside and play. So. And that continued um, all the way up through, you know, most of my career. In fact, um, reference books, um, our house right now looks like a library probably every floor, every room is multiple books, shelves filled with those books, stuff that I've had since I was very young. Um, and yes, you can look at, discover all kinds of things uh, online these days, but I still like going to the books and going through the books and the process of this, the smell and the feeling and the physicality of it all, of, of making happy accidents and discovering things that you didn't, something you weren't looking for, but you found it in this book. Um, so yeah, um, librarians, Libraries, librarians, um, and their support, because they were always um, very passionate about, about what they did as their job, and that, that definitely rubbed off on me. You may already be familiar with Beanstack, the software solution that over 10,000 schools and libraries trust to manage their reading challenges and fundraisers. But did you know that they offer free, downloadable reading list challenges that are created by today's top young adult and middle grade authors? Inspire readers with the Girls in Motion Reading Challenge, curated by Meg Medina, that features stories about athletic girls who understand the power of sports, but understand the power of their own voice even more. Author Varian Johnson created Drawn in Color, which highlights graphic novels featuring diverse main characters. Read Brave with Kate DiCamillo, or let authors Karina Ann Glaser and Zeta Elliott help transport you to New York City and Chicago with their respective reading list challenges. Visit thereadingculturepod.com to learn more. Broadcast journalist Maria Inahosa's memoir, Once I Was You, was adapted and released for young readers this August. Former American Library's associate editor, Sally Ann Price, spoke with Inahosa at Annual about her memories of visiting Chicago Public Library. So the library was the first place that my mom took me and just me. I was the youngest of four, so I didn't get a lot of me time. But mom was like, we're gonna go to the library, the public library on the south side of Chicago in High Park. 
And I was like, wow, this is a cool experience just with my mom. And then I got my library card. It was my first ever ID for me. She took me to the main Chicago Public Library at that point, which was on Randolph in Michigan, it, you know, with the big lions in front. And I got my ID card there. And then I think my true love of libraries happened in high school with our high school librarians that I've come to fall back in love again because of the ALA and your invitation for me to be here. And then going to the University of Chicago Library. Back then it was called Regenstein. And it kind of could look a little terrifying. It was massive. So many, you know, reams and reams of books. It could feel threatening. You know, intellectuals getting their PhDs. And I was in high school. And that's where I was like, oh no, I love this place. Oh my God, I love this silence. Oh my God, I can come here and be productive with my mind. So that changed everything. And actually when I got to New York to go to school at Columbia, I was desperate because Columbia's libraries closed at 11 p.m. The University of Chicago Library closed at 1 a.m. I was really, I was in withdrawal. I was like, what do you mean you close at 11? This, I mean, I, I might not even come to school here if your libraries close at 11. That's how much libraries meant to me. I wrote my first two books in the library because I was, you know, with a, little, with a small family and kids. And so libraries for me have always been that, that respite and that place, frankly, to believe in myself and my voice. George M. Johnson, author of young adult memoir All Boys Aren't Blue, was this year's honorary chair of Band Books Week. Their memoir has been frequently challenged since its 2020 release. Johnson discussed with Moorhart how the library was the perfect place to develop their interests. I was talking about it the other day, like, I used to have a library card, and I used to go to the library with my friends, and I remember one of the things we were super interested in were the Salem Witch Trials, and we would go, and we would read these books together. Um, Charmed was out, like, around that time, and which, so it was just, like, one of those, like, really, really cool experiences of, like, you learned about it really quickly in the classroom, but then you would go to a library, and you, you could get even deeper into, like, um, all of the different types of things around, like, witches and warlocks and, like, the, the Wiccan and how it was, like, a whole religion and how people still practice it. And um, so I remember that, though, like, as a, as a young reader, like, being happy that I could go into this place and learn so much more outside of my textbook. Um, and I imagine that there are a lot of other teens who feel that way. Cynthia Kadohata won the 2005 Newbery Medal for Kira Kira, which follows members of a Japanese-American family as they navigate love, loss, and hope. Kadohata shared with me how a special librarian instilled in her a lifelong love for the library. I, I always say I was, I was bribed into liking to read because we didn't have a lot of money and we lived in a small town and my mom would take me to the library every week. And this librarian would have this little circle, and she would give a seat to Tootsie Roll. <laughs> I was like, wow, a Tootsie Roll. And so I would go. I was so eager to go there every week. Uh, but then, you know, of course, I found I really loved the books as well. And uh, I, it's just, it's, I think for kids who like to read, it's 
it's an incredibly transformational experience. It takes you to other worlds and, you know, into the minds of other people and, um, and the librarians, you know, well, I think, I think everybody loves librarians. Like, is there anybody who doesn't love librarians? (laughs) You know, they're a part of your growing up and, uh, they're just, they love kids and they, they love books and I don't know. It was, it, it used to be, it's just perfection when you're young and you're into reading and you can just go to the library every week and, and take out 10 books that you don't have to pay for. So. Built with librarians and educators for the love of reading, Beanstack is proud to be a leading solution to motivate communities to read more. From book clubs to independent reading, Beanstack brings your existing reading programs and literacy efforts online to make them accessible to everyone. Let's motivate readers of all ages all year long. Visit Beanstack.com. That's B-E-A-N-S-T-A-C-K.com to learn more. And as always, keep reading. Tay Keller received the 2021 Newbery Medal for her middle grade fantasy novel, When You Trap a Tiger. The book includes Korean folk tales and follows a young girl as she learns more about her family's past and present. Keller and I discussed how her adventures at the library helped shape some of this story. Oh my gosh, I spent so much time in libraries as a kid and I remember there were a few libraries that I used to go to with my mom, but I remember one specifically, the Mililani Library. And uh, I would go in and there was this really big, nice kid section. And I just remember this feeling of discovery and freedom because it was so different than walking into a bookstore where, you know, I could maybe pick one book and I'd bring it to my mom and say, can I please buy this? But in a library, I could just pick as many books as I wanted. And she kind of just would set me loose in the kid section. And I found some of my favorite books uh, that I remember that I found holes in the library and mm-hmm. that book made such a big impact on me to the <laughs> point where for When You Trap a Tiger, I actually went back and reread holes and took notes on how he pulled in these different timelines and wove everything together. Um, so yeah, it's, it's made a huge impact on me. Historian Ibram X. Kendi is author of How to Raise an Anti-Racist and co-author of How to Be a Young Anti-Racist, soon to be released in January. He talked to Booklist Audio editor Heather Booth about a catalyzing road trip he took in 2011, visiting libraries across the South. Well, let me just say I'm I'm an introvert, (laughs) (laughs) and so I would much rather be sort of in a library reading or or walking through stacks sort of discovering books than I would be speaking or um, you know doing something that's more sort of public Mm -hmm. and and so the 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 greatest aspect of, of my job is the ability to to live in libraries and <laughs> um, to live in archives and, and, and to live, you know, with, with books and to live with those books that, that librarians have, have curated. And I can also say my first book, which isn't as well known, but uh, is, is called The Black Campus Movement. And, and this book documented 
black student activism um, across the country in the late 60s and early 1970s. And in order to put that book together, uh, I literally contacted, uh, I won't tell you exactly how many, but uh, let's just say more than a thousand librarians and, and archivists you know, around the country and, and, and visited hundreds of, 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 of libraries that of course held college archives, uh, you know, all over the country. And, and I remember in particular uh, driving uh, throughout the South, I believe in the summer of 2011 and visiting college libraries, mm-hmm. um, one after the other from, starting in North Carolina and going through through Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi and over to Texas and coming up in was Oklahoma and Missouri and over to West Virginia. And I probably visited hundreds wow. of libraries and interacted with hundreds of, of librarians. And it was probably one of the best experiences of my life, um, largely because I got to hang out every single day in, in, in one of my favorite places. Author Lois Slowry has won the Newbery Medal twice, in 1990 for Number of the Stars and in 1994 for The Giver, both having seen their fair share of challenges throughout the years. We talked about how she helped her granddaughter's visiting friend from Germany discover the library. When I was a little girl, uh, I was taken to Sunday school at the Presbyterian Church in a small uh, Pennsylvania town every Sunday. But secretly, my real church and my real religion was the other days of the week when I went by myself from the age of six, probably, to the public library, which was two blocks from my grandfather's house where I lived. My father was overseas during the war, Mm -hmm. and we lived my grandparents. And uh, that became, uh, it's kind of funny because I remembered it as a long set of marble steps. And I went back to that town as an adult. I had left there at age 11. And uh, I went back and I saw it was 12 cement steps. Uh, But to me, as a little girl, that was an entrance to, to a cathedral. And I've I've continued to feel that way. And interestingly, <clears throat> I have a granddaughter who has grown up in Germany, my German <clears throat> granddaughter. She has come to visit most summers. And when she was 11 years old, she brought her best friend, German child, who spoke very little English. My granddaughter, of course, was fluent in both languages. But they went with me to the library in a small town in Maine where I spend my summers. And while I did my, you know, chose my books and checked out my books, they wandered around and they watched a story hour and they watched tourists using the computers. And when we left, the German child, the one who didn't speak English, said something in German to my granddaughter. And my granddaughter translated to me and she said, Annika wants to know how much it costs to belong to the library. And I said, but it's free. And they couldn't believe it. So I put them in the car and I drove them around to three other small main towns, all within a 15-mile radius. And I showed them the library in each town. And they were astonished. And it was astonishing to me to see that. Uh, and they, they continued throughout the visit to ask me questions about the library. And when they left, 
that was the thing they were going to go back and tell their friends about. The oh. amazing stories in the United States. Season's greetings from the Columber podcast team and a happy new year. Next episode, we're bringing you the sights, bites, and sounds of New Orleans, where the first in-person Live Learn Next conference will be held in January. Is there a story or topic you'd like us to cover? Let us know. We welcome feedback and hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.